the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. At times, I may seem a little absurd to you, and trust me, I get it. I'm okay with that. At times, you may go, why is he talking about teenagers or millennials or Generation X or baby boomers? As a Generation Xer, I don't spend like I used to. There's a brand new video game out today that I really, really, really want to play, but I'm going to wait for it to go on sale. I don't know why. I just, that's my nature. My kid, when a new game comes out, he has to have it. As an investor, this is what you look for. You look for things that Rob's going to need soon. Pills for hypertension. Pills for diabetes. But he's not there yet. See, look for brackets that are abnormally large, swaying demographics. Generation X is interesting. Generation X is my generation. We were considered a generation that was not supposed to succeed, that we weren't very smart. We were late bloomers and late starters. The pandemic struck my generation right in the middle of peak earning years. And if I'm reading that in a study, I'm telling you, that's it in my freaking fracking life. As vaccination rates rise and the pandemic fades, there's a lot of soul searching going on. The millennials, some of whom are embracing what's called the YOLO economy, you only live once. Does that sound about right to you? When you look at somebody who's 25 to 35, sounds about right from what I see. Millennials are quitting stable, high-paying jobs to travel, to write screenplays, to take advantage of the freedom and flexibility of remote working. They're moving to exotic locales. If you have a Yahoo feed, I don't know what you t- what's your opening page when you turn on the internet. But you'll see a story or two on a regular basis that says something like, I moved to Fiji for the pandemic, and this is what I learned. Those are the millennials. My generation, Generation X, man, we got smack, smack in our peak earnings. The baby boomers, millions of whom are exiting the workforce years earlier than planned, fortified by fat 401k accounts, appreciated home values, They're in a rush to retire in a new life. Life is short mindset. 
COVID kills, life is short. Generation X didn't get the memo. People in Gen X, those born between 1965 and 1980, were the least likely to have moved during the pandemic, the least likely to have lost job and the best at adapting current jobs to remote work. This is surreal for me to talk about, but I have to talk because I'm teaching you something about money when I do. There's a story here. And for generations, we pass down our knowledge through storytelling around the campfire. My generation in the memo. Millennials have YOLO. You only live once. Generation X, we got the status quo, and that freaking sucks. We're not making any seize-the-day decisions post-pandemic because we have constraints. We have kids firmly ensconced in schools. We have spouses, partners who also work. My spouse works in a job that she absolutely positively loves. And having given birth to two kids, she has had no identity for a long period of time other than being a a mother. And you have to give women the the identity that they're a team contributor. My mother died of COVID this year. Her parents are 80 plus. Her mother just got (laughs) basically type 2 or level 2 hypertension. So she's 160 over 90 blood pressure. I'm like, she's a walking stroke. Like at any second, she can go any second. So my spouse last night started to rally the troops around. Like, uh, we have to get my sister. We have to get uh, you, my sister's husband. We got to get everyone to call her and like say, go for a walk, lady. Like she's a walking stroke. It's going to happen any second now. Any second. Your mother may be put into diapers because she can no longer get out of bed. Your mother may be put in a wheelchair if she wants to go to a restaurant. Generation X sucks. Home equity that we are using right now in my generation, not to go on vacation, not to quit our jobs, but to put our kids in college. We're in our peak income years. That's been to our advantage. Generation Xers collective wealth has risen. Roughly 30% of America's wealth belonged to Generation X as of June. That was up 4% from the previous year. So we're making money. We're saving money. But things around us are starting to fall apart. Millennials. Gosh, I wish I could swear on the show. I'm going to do an absolutely positively X-rated podcast soon. That's my plans for 2022 that I'm just going to drop the F-bombs everywhere. Millennials love avocado toast, and you can imagine the expletives that I would drop after that. Boomers are self-absorbed. Oh, that is so true. Generation X, my brother David, he's a boomer. Uh, My parents had kids over a 20-year period, so we fall into different generations. And my brother David, he posts... He wears the most ridiculous hairstyle. He's got hippie long hair. He wears it in a bun. He has a man bun. And he posts pictures of his house. (laughs) I don't even post pictures of my house because I don't want to one-up him. 
but uh, he lives on the beach and he's so happy and I'm happy for him. No, I'm not. I'm cynical. I love language. Cynicism and language go hand in hand. Generation X came of age when all kinds of commitments and promises were broken. We saw the Reagan administration. That was us. Some some of us, our first president might have been Clinton, where it was like, hey, wait, wait, you can cheat on your wife in office? <laughs> Something called a Monica? And um, okay, oh yeah, we're good with it. So I'm stuck between two generations, two very large generations that have different life stages and commitments. This allows them more freedom and more mobility. I don't have that. Generation X is smack in the middle of middle age and life-altering decisions are neither easy nor straightforward. Generation Z, who's younger than the millenniums, there are people who are 24 and younger. Millennials are 25 to 40. Millennials in particular are less encumbered by than past generations. They delayed marriage, children, home buying. Not always by choice, but those are all big financial choices. Boomers added 1.6 trillion into in how shall we say disposable cash during the pandemic. And they're the wealthiest generation in American history. If you follow the data and you understand the spending patterns. You do very well in investing. You get very comfortable in your knowledge that you're not wrong. That's very, very important. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. So I want to finish my ideas real quick on Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z, the boomers, the millennials. My generation, boomers and millennials, we're a little different. We're not living in the moment. We're kind of riding out this friggin' fragging pandemic. There's a pang of regret that you only get if you didn't live life. Earlier stages of your life in your 20s and 30s, something typically happens that shapes the rest of your financial life. I believe that to be 100% true. No generation is a monolith. Each generation consists of tens of millions of people with different cultural backgrounds, perspectives, circumstances. Sometimes on the show, I'll say, I feel like I was lucky to be born into a Caucasian family on a coast who expected their children to go to college. And yet I can tell you political and cultural events have changed my life. I'll be honest. I don't get a lot of the Black Lives Matter. I don't get a lot of the Proud Boys. It's not my generation. I saw, I grew up in a generation where we saw Reagan get along with Tip O'Neill. I grew up in a different generation where, okay, presidents make mistakes. 
and they're not scorned for it forever. They can still do a decent job. There's always something that goes down when you're young that shapes the world you live in. The greatest generation, older than the baby boomers, think of your grandparents. They had World War II and they had the Depression. And we all know someone who never spent a dime again. My spouse's grandfather ate a piece of toast, half a piece of toast, and one egg every day. And he thought he was the luckiest man on the planet. The baby boomers came of age amid counterculture. Counterculture chaos, in my opinion. The days of the dancing hippies and fighting the war efforts, you know what they, they sold out to? BMWs. They went from free love to BMWs because of a post-war economic expansion that allowed them to become wealthy. I was raised in the shadow of an economic downturn in the era of stranger danger. So the 1970s, we had to buy a home, you had to get a mortgage rate at 12, 13, 14%. Carter kind of messed that one up. His administration didn't have a Federal Reserve who fought inflation. They, they stoked it by accident. I grew up in a day and age where you learn the phrase stranger danger, and it's hilarious, some of the stories I have as a child. I liked messing with people. So if anyone who was like different came up to me, I'd start screaming, stranger danger, stranger danger, stranger danger. <laughs> Even if it was a teacher from my school, We all have our own trauma. We all have our own recessions. We all have our own stories about being different types of latchkey kids. My kids don't know a world without Google. My kids don't know a world with payphones. Do you remember Melissa Mayer, a marketer in her early 50s, the economic fallout from the manufacturing plant closures that she grew up with in Milwaukee in the 1980s? It left a massive impression on her, and she became a different type of CEO. A lot of people my age drive an old car that's long been paid off. I save my points on credit cards like a squirrel saves nuts over winter. And what's funny is the pandemic has stopped me from spending them. Now, I again bring this up because I really want you to figure out who you are as an investor and know that some of it goes to, into your generation and the presidential cycles that you've watched and lived through and the economic cycles that you've lived through. I'm totally self-aware because I've done a lot of therapy. Now, maybe I'm not self-aware because I'm saying I'm self-aware. Maybe that makes me less self-aware than I actually am. Probably true. Anyhow, figure out where you are with money. Let's talk about teenagers now. They love Instagram, but they're out of Facebook because Facebook's been taken over by the parents. I am essentially out of Facebook because I think of myself as a teenager. I'm not going to do a little alphaville for you. Let's dance and sell. Let's dance for a while. Have a good way. 
I'm not forever teen. Forever teen. I want to be forever teen. So I got put on the homecoming. No, no, no. The prom committee in high school. Trying to angle my way into like things that colleges would be impressed with. And the whole committee wanted to do forever young as a theme for prom by Alphaville. I'm like, you guys forever young, you know, you're, you're, you're a senior, you're asking a freshman out to the dance or you're a senior female and you're going with a college guy to prom. And that just feels wrong on so many reasons. And it is, but the prom committee wanted to do forever young for a song for prom. And I'm like, you guys know that song about nuclear war, not love. <laughs> and they all looked at me like, Oh, you just killed it. So we had to do something different. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. So the teens use Instagram more than any other social media platform. The least used network, Facebook. Facebook is the parent to Instagram. This week, we got the biannual Piper Sandler taking stock with teens survey. 81% of teenagers said they use Instagram, the highest percentage out of six platforms. 77% said they use Snapchat. And 73% said they use TikTok. I can't get myself to do TikTok. And when I see stories like um, someone my age on TikTok, I'm like, you're too old to be doing that. I'm judgmental. So if there's a celebrity like, uh, I don't know, Lori Lachlan released a TikTok video. I'm like, you're too old. Facebook bought Instagram in 2012 for $1 billion. It's been controversial because it was anti-competitive. They bought the company that would have surpassed them. And they bought it for just $1 billion. Instagram has also come under fire in recent weeks following internal Facebook research shared by a whistleblower and through the Wall Street Journal articles that management knows it's been detrimental to teenage girls. I'm just throwing it down there for you. You got to study generations, what they're consuming. Um, teens love Nike by a lot. Teens dominate Apple by over 80%. It's not that hard to figure out this game. It just takes a little bit of reading, a little bit of research, and a little bit of understanding. Find me online at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. The Biden administration is slipping aggressively in the polls. I can tell you that I'm starting to become very conscious of the Biden administration because of the plans and the wants to change tax laws. A new federal spending bill awaiting a House vote would slam the door on Roth IRAs for well-off Americans and stop the so-called backdoor conversions of traditional retirement accounts into Roths. I'm not against that. Every time CFP Chad Burton talks about the mega Roth conversion, it's cringy to me because it's like you open an IRA and then you later convert it to a Roth IRA, even though you're not supposed to qualify for a Roth IRA because you make too much money. Totally a, a acceptable loophole. But I'm like, wait, wait, the IRS allows that? 
There's reports of billionaires with giant tax sheltered IRAs. The proposed changes are a move to return the Roth IRA to the middle class origins. I own some shares of a private company. For me to try to house it in a Roth is really kind of circumventing capital gains. But I get it. There's a loophole. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any strategies ever mentioned on the show. The new rules are going to bar IRA contributions by individuals whose retirement accounts exceed $10 million and whose annual income exceeds 400000 Balances above $20 million could require withdrawals. Taxpayers above that same income level would be barred from Roth conversions. I get all that. The revisions to this tax code won't affect eh, probably 97% of America. So says Ed Slot, an accountant and an IRA expert who happens to pay for a TV show on PBS. And you're like, I love Ed Slot. He's on PBS. Just so you know, it's a pay to play on CBS. He's an infomercial. He's good, but he's an infomercial. Middle income savers won't trigger the income or account balance cutoffs. Even those with large retirement balances can plan around some of the proposed changes. Now is a good time to understand financial planning. It's what I'm getting at. Because as the Biden administration crafts some new tax laws, it's got my attention because it's what I do for a living. The Roth IRA came into existence in 1997. It was the efforts of William Roth Jr. He was a Republican senator out of Delaware. It allows you to save money in an individual retirement account. That's what IRA means. It's You've already paid taxes on it, so it grows tax-deferred, and it comes out tax-free. So you don't pay capital gains if the investment choice you bit, put in into your Roth IRA goes up, sells, Buy something else low, goes up, sells. You don't pay the, the capital gains taxes on that. When you buy a home and it goes up, you get a $500,000 exclusion for a married couple of two. 250000 if you're an individual. Anything above that, you pay capital gains on. You understand capital gains. The Roth IRA came into being in 1997 through the efforts of William Roth Jr. And I think it was one of those great inventions. Congress on occasion comes out with some great stuff. You probably hear radio shows where they go, in the future, you can definitely count on taxes being higher. Higher taxes in the future. Higher taxes. We're spending too much money, too much debt, national debt, higher taxes. And a Roth IRA helps you hide from that. I highly encourage people to consider a Roth. My company offers a Roth and a Roth 401k and a regular 401k, 401k. And it's not bad to split your contributions between the two because here's the trick. My spouse really wants an RV. She wants to retire in an RV. I don't know what that's all about. I don't like them. It's a big vehicle. It doesn't take corners well. Every now and then I see a RV on the road after an accident it's been basically cut into because it looks like it's made out of aluminum foil. 
uh, you're almost encouraged not to wear a seatbelt if you're riding in the back, right? So I don't like it. It's not my thing. But my spouse loves it. But it's a $100,000 vehicle that she wants. And in retirement, I'm going to have to take out $120,000 to buy that vehicle to pay the taxes. If it's in a Roth, I only need to take out 100000 So my big ticket purchases in retirement are geared towards the Roth. My day-to-day living expenses are geared to keeping me in a tax bracket that's lower. Only when the savings are withdrawn from a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. Um, Tax-free. I like it. Tax rates in theory, and this is a weird conversation that I had with a kid yesterday. We we're talking politics for some silly reason. I'm like, yeah, politicians will say anything to get elected. We'll tell old people no taxes because old people don't have income now to offset higher taxes. So old people don't want income taxes. So they move to Florida. I want to move to Florida. No way. I've been to Florida. Roth accounts were intended as an additional way for middle-class America to save. But it's being tinkered with. Why would I not want to live in Florida, you ask? Too many old people. Florida's estimate, estimated population, 21 million includes some 4.2 million residents who are 65 and older. That's up from 3.3 million in 2010s. There more and more seniors are going there. I've got a family member there, and I don't even want to go to the state. By 2030, Florida is expected to have 6 million older people. So if I were a business owner right now, I would think, okay, I've got a mother-in-law who has super high blood pressure. She needs to go for a walk, but her husband doesn't want to do it. He goes for his own walks. He doesn't want to try to convince her. The mother-in-law really likes to chat with any stranger. So if I were an entrepreneur right now, I'd say, I want to start a business that's called Walking with Old People. Because I get it. Or I'm going to trick out golf carts because there's a lot of golf carts being used in Florida. As older people want some mobility but don't want a car. Other popular retirement states include this, uh, Georgia. Alabama and the Carolinas. But they all skew much younger. Another reason I don't want to live in Florida is that it's got critters, 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 critters. They got green iguanas. They've got wild monkeys that have herpes. They've got Burmese pythons. And they got gators. Daddy, look, a gator. The first time you see an alligator that's been run over, you're like, well, that's something to see. The second time you're like, ah, it just looks like a squirrel. Um, beach rats are a thing. There's a lot of money that you have to spend for rodent control in Florida. I don't like critters. I don't like rodents. You see snakes, you see alligators. You see a lot of golf courses with snakes and alligators. Not my kind of thing. 
Florida has got a bad rap, of course. If you ever hear of any weird crime spree, you go, I bet that started in Florida. Uh, there's a lot of lunatics and charlatans. There is a seasonless climate, which I think makes people a little bit insane. There's a crazy amount of plastic surgeons, Ponzi schemes, and corruption. To me, Florida is the grease under the American grill, where it's just dirty and filthy. It's not my kind of thing. No income tax in Florida? Well, that little loophole is great for seniors. But it's not necessarily great for things like firefighters and school systems. Other states, um, there's registrations fees to register an out-of-state vehicle, a driver's license cost. They get you on a little bit of here and there, nickel and diamond. But don't confuse no state income tax with no taxes at all. State and local taxes in Florida can take a bite out of your retirement. The local state tax average is about 7%. In Florida, you're going to sweat a lot. I'm okay with sweat in my 20s. I find it very sexy, very, very erotic. But when I have my 50s and 60s, I find sweat to be gross and disgusting. You're at risk of breaking a sweat year-round in Florida, where even in the dead of winter, temperatures can crack 80 degrees. No thank you. You won't be outside as much as you think you will. Because it's hot. Many savvy retirees can find outdoor activities from rounds of golf to leisurely walks to early mornings when the humidity levels are low. Humidity breeds insects. Ugh. When you see a cockroach fly up to your face and you accidentally open your mouth, it goes in your mouth and you have to spit a bug out of your mouth that's used to crawl around and poop. No, thank you. Florida's not my retirement state. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Rob Black Show. Com. Welcome back in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Bitcoin's breaking out from other cryptos. Okay, it's above 50000 again. Energy prices have spiked. I got an email from a, a lady, 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 asking me if she should invest in natural gas, and I'm like, you know, it's spiked already, right? Have you ever sat on a spike? How does that feel? It's not for me. Not for me. Stocks are heading higher right now as energy crunch fears are easing. So she asked me if she should buy a natural gas play after natural gas has gone up 100 plus percent. And we see the headlines. If you watch BBC, 
I love the BBC because it's it's kind of like a, a ledger for me of what not to do because it's the church of what's happening now, not what's going to happen in the future. I'm not at all about the obvious. I'm about figuring out what could come after the obvious. But if you watch the BBC right now, they're like, tonight in the UK, you may be paying 15 pounds for a gallon of gasoline, a litre, a litre of gallon of gasoline. That's up 125%. This winter, you may freeze to death because we have no natural gas. So the BBC's kind of going that angle on it. So the woman who emailed me said, hey, are there natural gas plays I should be thinking about? I'm like, I think you should be shorting them versus going long. Russia came out yesterday and said, we will supply natural gas to the world. The UK, Europe, we have your back. We will do it. And that's when you can get caught sitting on a spike. When supply comes back to a market that's been severely constrained. It's just not from me. I'm not Captain Obvious. I may be Captain Oblivious, which isn't that many letters or digits away from obvious. Oil and natural gas prices ease on signs of increased supply is a headline today. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday, Friday's a big day. In large part, we're going to learn a lot about blue-collar workers. The people who listen to Bruce Springsteen. Hiring is seen as picking up and the unemployment rate should be falling. We know that the Republicans and Democrats clash and we know that one of the things that we wonder about is how much of my tax money did you get during the shutdown of the pandemic? We're like, that person's not working. They're taking our tax money. Government's paying them to stay at home, lazy people. If you're in a Republican state, um, smart people who are staying at home fighting the pandemic because they don't have childcare if you're a Democrat. But those benefits are all ending. Now we're going to learn in this jobs report on Friday, first Friday of every month. In this case, it's actually the second Friday because the first Friday came on the first of the month. What sort of labor supply constraints have weighed on payrolls since the start of the year? And if more people come back to work, guess what? Corporations are going to start saying, you know what? We don't have to pay people more. They need us. They need to come back now that the government's cut off the subsidies. And that should temper. That should taper the inflation. Business owners thought that schools reopening early in August would mean ultimately people coming back. Better wages for low-income workers, which I think is fantastic. The reopening of the economy, lingering effects of fiscal stimulus and very low interest rates, along reasons cited for the tight job market. There is something that I think I've learned in this pandemic that it, maybe you've learned too, but you haven't figured out that you've learned it. High social contact jobs people are a little bit leery of. So we've learned like masseuses who can't give massages. 
we've learned restaurant owners who can't have enough labor to have people interact with customers face to face. And restaurants and masseuses tend to be smaller businesses. But the smaller businesses have a lot more human contact. Think of Apple. How many Apple engineers have you ever met at lunch? Not many. How many waiters and waitresses have you met at lunch? Many, many, many. So Delta has severely impacted small businesses. The Delta variant of COVID-19. Bookings logged on open table, which lets users make restaurant reservations, dropped 1.9% last month. Suggesting consumers are shying away from outings again. So the jobs report is going to be a fascinating one. Because we know that most of the tax benefits of staying at home are gone. We know that most of the fiscal handouts are gone. Um, kids in theory, most of them are back to school. I'm not going to say that across America and across every county. But Friday is going to be an interesting jobs report. And I highly encourage you to find one economic data statistic that you love and that you adore. Mine is the jobs report first Friday of every month. A mild job boom, 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 boom. He's rumbling, stumbling, bumbling. Could provide relief to families that struggle through COVID-19 while at the same time reassuring investors worried about inflation. The more people we get back to work, the less we have to pay people. Because it gets, uh, we don't need you anymore. You can quit if you want. We, I don't have to pay you more money. But when you have to close your restaurants on Mondays and Tuesdays because you don't have enough labor, you say, I'll throw in another buck or two. It's going to be interesting. It's prime time on Friday morning. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can always find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 